Hello, my gorgeous humans. It's Lala Kent, and welcome to the Give Them Lala with Randall podcast. We are so grateful that y'all have been sticking with us. As you know, in light of everything that is happening in this world, Give Them Lala with Randall decided to take a two-week break from the podcast for us to remember those who have lost their lives to police brutality, to educate ourselves, and to get grounded and remember what is important in this life and what we need to do to encourage change. This episode is with Kelly O'Coin. I don't know if you know him. He's just on this little show called Billions. We did this podcast a few weeks ago and we decided to keep it on hold during our little hiatus. And we are so excited to share it with y'all now. So sit back and enjoy. It's Kelly O'Coin on Give Them Lala with Randall. What's up, folks? It's Lala Kent. With Ran. What's up, baby? Hi, hon. Another episode. Another episode. I just keep I keep waiting for uh, Time Warner to just pull the plug on us and say, you're wasting our airspace. Not you. Not you. Yeah. No, yeah. because I'm- You better recognize. Oh, I'm sorry, queen. I, love, I have the best time doing this podcast. So do I. It's the one thing I am doing where I'm like, wow, it's all about me. <laughs> the one and I only thing I, I look at it I look at it differently I look at it differently Because uh, it's kind of a, I'm just fucking around No you're not That's the sick I part I am I'm, I was Baby, really going to be more like sentimental And say it's the one thing I do Where I'm like With my babe we no. get to just banter No I know that baby I, And Tim I want to ask you Because you're a married man And we're about to get married La Yes see, This is exactly what I was talking about What you're doing This is what I'm bringing up What I'm bringing up is last night I was very upset, and Lala now has her phone to her face again, and we have a new thing that we decide in our relationship, that after nine o'clock at night, we are going to not have phones, and because one of us is always with the phone stuck to our I face. I was actually really into the way that you approached it this morning, though. How, t- how did I do it? So he comes in from playing pickleball with his friends, and he was like, babe, can we talk? I just would like us to not be so into our phones like it hurt my feelings last night you were on your phone until like midnight and I was like absolutely when should we decide to put our phones down and we, we said 9 30 yeah then I explained to him yesterday I got really caught up just in like just You're like excited. really exciting things you had a busy happened day. yesterday you had a busy with give day. them lala beauty and I was just like obsessing over all of it so I promise 930 is the And I appreciate that. And I, and I like that we can just talk to each other now and it's not always some big drama. But I'm curious, Deb, do you guys face phone issues or like oh, what yeah. are your- we've, we've had this same conversation at least four or five times. Really? Who, but who's on the phone more, you or your wife? Probably me, but it, it goes back and forth. <laughs> Probably Tim because his boss is Randall Emmett. So I would assume Tim. I'm not, I don't screw with you at night. Once in a blue moon, I'm like, I need a script for it. Rarely. But rarely, yeah. rarely. So it's just your wife is rides you, and then do you have a time to put the I'm phone just, down? Well, I mean, we've I think we've said nine o'clock. Oh, I see. But, but oh. we haven't. It's like we've instituted it, and then we forget about it. But <laughs> I, I, we would both like that to be. Can I tell you rule. something? I think us going forward with a nine o'clock phone rule. I think that you can't have sanity, both going to sleep in a in a healthy way and having a good connection. If both of you are glued to your phone or even one of you is glued. And I take 
full responsibility. Like last night, she was guilty, but I also have been guilty 20 times in a row. So this is, we're going to really try this tonight. And Well, I've been okay with Randall being on the phone a lot more lately because I have a dream backyard that I would like. And if being on the phone makes <laughs> us more money, then have at it. She, you, have been, you have been very supportive lately. Um, I'm I think, like, I need that cabana at the end of my pool. Work, 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 Randall. <laughs> okay. Slow the around. fuck down. I'm in a you are great on mood. Baby, I love you so Baby, much. you look so happy today. You're like smiling and you've got no bra on as usual. And <laughs> things are just lit up in this room. But I'm just going to let that go. All right? Because it's uh, a crime what's going on here. Okay. Let's go to some voicemails. That's probably a good idea. <laughs> Hi, on Rand. My name is Lex. I'm a huge fan of Love Rules. And my question for you guys is, what are you most excited for when it comes to being married? What is the aspect of being married that you're most excited for? And also, to the same end, what aspect of the wedding are you most excited for? I know you guys are obviously postponing things, but what are you most looking forward to now that you've postponed really looking forward to hopefully hearing an answer to this love you guys that's a good one most okay. excited about the yeah. wedding and most excited about being married you yeah know. okay the thing that i'm most excited about for the wedding is the look on rand's face when i walk down the aisle in my dress let me say this can i tell you when i had the designer make my dress i made sure i said i don't want any of my tattoos showing so oh. my arms are covered Baby, well, now I'm really excited. Can I'm going to be one classy bitch on that day. <laughs> Can I tell you, I, first of all, I'm not worried. I'm joking. I know that you take that wedding day very seriously, and you know that you only want to make me happy, and that's what it's all about. Mm, ba-boom, what? ba-boom. So my, so my thing is, uh, it's definitely on my wedding day. The thing that I'm going to be most excited about is obviously seeing you come down the aisle. That's going to be a, the, the, probably the highlight of the wedding. And, um, and then what about... What else was the question? What about being married? My, I'm most excited to make babies. Ba boom, ba boom. I'm most excited about the process of making the baby. All right, too short. <laughs> I get, it. yeah, that'll be fun no, too. I'm, I'm, you know what I'm most excited about being married? I swear, is really we're already one, but it really like just that it that it's like I don't know. It just feels it's like the the highest level of becoming one, but also keeping our independence in our own, you know, supporting each other's independence, but being one. That's kind of... I love it. Okay, next question. Hi, Lala and Randall. This is Isabel from Salt Lake City, Utah. I just wanted to say I love your podcast. I love you guys on Vanderpump Rules. My question is for Lala. I grew up in Utah pretty much most of my life. Uh, Actually, St. George, Utah, where I graduated high school and went to intermediate and middle school. And I was curious, I know Lala grew up in Utah as well, and I had a lot of bullying going on when I was in high school, mostly because I was not a member of the church, and my friends were really strict members of the church, and there was a lot of pressure from them and their families to join them. So it was kind of difficult for me to hold my ground and be who I am as a person and not become a member of the church and stick with my ideals. I was wondering if, Lala, you had the same issues or if you had a similar experience growing up in high school and how you dealt with that. Keep doing what you're doing. Love you guys. Bye. Okay. Yeah. That is a good question. I like that question. 
Yeah, I had the same issues. That's why I'm such an asshole. Because I had to fight the bullies off with my words. I really did. You know, like I used to be really sweet. I was just a sweet little You're still sweet. It's just there's there's like a little bite. There's a bite. I didn't have that bite always. It's only when these, you know, little schoolyard kids got a little too rough for the sandbox that I had to like kind of fuck shit up a little bit. Yeah. You know, since the time I was a little kid. The thing is, though, is like my dad grew up super Mormon. My mom was raised super Christian and clearly they both did not like that. So Easton and I were just raised spiritual. But the crazy thing is in Utah is if you're not a Mormon, a lot of parents have a tough time letting their kids hang out with kids that are not a part of the church. That makes sense. Yeah. Yeah. In my hometown, there were there was a, a pretty strong community of, of Mormons, and I was really good friends with Wait, a lot of Wait, where did the, you grow up? Uh, in a town called Ripon, which is near Modesto. Okay. I don't know if it was like a bigger Mormon community than other places outside of Utah, yeah. but like I happened to be friends with a, a big mormon popular like a lot of my friends were mormon and they were all uh, they were generally very very creative so they were in like the drama classes and band i was in marching band oh yeah does that shock you a little bit kind of (laughs) i do picture you in choir i was in choir yeah (laughs) were you i was in a barbershop quartet (gasps) oh you have to give us pictures (laughs) (laughs) I'll, i'll look for some pictures for you Dude, producer Tim is always just bringing in some like new little things that I had no idea about. A steel drum band? Dude, you're so badass. Please hit Alex's face. It's like you're you're teaching your best friend new things about you. Yeah. You know what though? In Utah, it was different from Mormons in other states because they're on their high horse. Right. You know, and it's like, wait a minute, you're like being so judgy, but like the book you love says don't be judgy. Well, and it's like when you are kind of the population, the people that are different, it's easier to kind of make them feel different, even if you're not trying to. Right. And there's they're going to be assholes, whether you're Mormon or not Mormon. You know what I mean? So there are going to be asshole Mormons who pick up on that one thing that. You know what I remember about Mormons as they got older in my high school? They love to like call me a whore. That's like everyone's favorite thing is to call me a whore. And it's like, please come up with something different. And I, because I dress like provocatively, you know, like I was like, dude, this body ain't going to be like this forever. Like things are going to (laughs) start sagging at some point. And these people, the woman, the girl that's coming up and being like, modest is hottest, Lala, is like giving BJs to the whole football team every Friday night. It's like, shut up. That's my experience. See? That's why I, just, I got my boxing gloves off from it at a young age. There you go. I don't know. Fun fact. All right. I love it. Those questions were fun. Um, we're going to take a short break. When Randall gets back, we have the infamous Kelly O'Coin, who is on Billions, and I cannot wait to get him on the line. We'll be right back. We are back, my beautiful people and we have a really fun guest today we have kelly a coin who randall is obsessed with what's up kel how you doing we're good i love the pressure of real fun guests before we even get started thanks i gotta just tell you so first of all i'm gonna blow your fucking ego up real quick i am the biggest billions fan i know you get that hourly um i just have to tell you brian koppelman I blow up on the gram. When he goes live, I hit him hard like, 
Brian, you're the man. And he's like, him and the, uh, what's the other creator's name, his partner? David Levine. Yeah, so they're like on a live together, and I'm yeah. blowing him up nonstop. And he's like, he's like, David, we got Randall Levin. He's this big producer. It makes so and much this. sense now, Kelly, because he'll like be on someone's live, and he'll be like, I'm talking to David Levine, right, right, or Brian, Brian Levine, or whatever, <laughs> Levine. And I'm like, Avril? And he's like, no, billions, billions. <laughs> I'm like, this fucking Avril. guy is... Yeah, Avril Lavigne. That, that's the generation gap. That's the generation gap. Um, no, but I, I just have to tell you, first of all, not only is the writing on this show, and I know you're a very, very prestigious theater actor. You starred with Denzel Washington. You're like the real fucking McCoy. So I give you mad respect on all levels. But I want to say, it's got to be refreshing to work on a show that the actor bar is so high, the writing. So I just want to hear your initial ta- you know, thoughts on that. Yeah, yeah. I mean, you've nailed it. I mean, I've been really lucky. Um, the show I was doing before this, and it overlapped a little bit, was The Americans, which was another show that had inc- incredible actors and incredible writing. Um, Billions is second to none, as far as I can tell, in terms of the, write- the writer's room, um, which obviously is led by Brian and David, uh, and then the quality of the of the regulars and the guest stars that we get. I mean, people want to be on the show, and they, I think they want to be on the show because... It, not only are they going to get to say some really fucking fun, <laughs> funny, dark, weird shit, they're also going to like, they're going to be working with people that they've seen before and they want to play ball with. There's so many actors that I just, I'm like, I can't believe I get to hang out with you for a day because oh, you're wow. awesome, you know? It's so, I mean, even these, even the small scenes, babe, like even the the little scenes off to the right, like those characters are so rich. They're so fun. They're so well-developed and you don't see that in a lot of TV. I mean, unless it's a yeah. high level. Kelly, show. he literally yeah. oh, rewinds scenes four times to rewatch them. I'm not kidding. Do you kidding. watch it all the way through once at least and then go back or? Always. Yes. Okay. Yeah. Okay. But yeah. let's be honest. Let's be honest, Kelly. Season one and season two, the season last scenes were the most oh, mammoth E epic David Mammoth moment. You could you yeah. could ever see between those guys? Yeah, it, they were they were insane. They always end well. They always um, and they always have like late season. They have a mid season episode that sort of you know the, the finale of which sort of launches them in the second half of the season in a different way. And then a couple late um, late season episodes, like uh, I think it was season three with the ice juice the oh. iced episode. Oh my god, that, was that epic. wasn't even a season finale, and it was that epic, epic. epic. Oh my god, they did fucking what? And I- you you, <laughs> you see Giamatti's weeping, and you turn around, and he is kind of because he's lost all his money, but he's laughing because he won. You know, it's so sick. It really that- is brilliant. It's brilliant. It, it is. is the scenes that you show me, I'm like, okay, I get it. Okay, wait. I have a couple a couple fangirl questions from myself because I'm still fangirl. Sure. So, uh, 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 what's his name? The lead. Uh, Damien Lewis? Yes. Is he... Sorry, I'm overwhelmed. Please. Is he nice guy? Fun? Like, is he... Because he seems so fun that he's having so much fun with the character. What's he like? He's a monster. Mon- he's a total monster. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> And I've been sending out signals to people to fucking save us, and they just keep ignoring us. Oh. No, he's, 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 the, he's the best. He and Giamatti and Maggie Siff and oh. uh, David Costable, who plays Wags, like they're all just great human people. And Chuck Sr., Jeffrey DeMond, is a teddy bear. He's a damn teddy bear. Everyone, it, it's, 
I've never seen a show where the, the, the level of sweetness is in complete inverse proportion to the level of malevolence and bile that they show on, wow. you know, on screen. That's amazing. It's great. It's a real family. Because we know a lot of shows out there, they really are monsters. So yeah. it's a it's yeah. great. Have you guys? Um, what are you? Are you in hiatus right now? Did you shoot anything and then stop? I mean, what happened with the the COVID with you guys? Yeah, I can talk about it now because it's there's been I think a month ago there was a, a official statement, but uh, we finished. Uh, it's a, it's always a twelve uh, episode season. We finished shooting seven. We had just kind of dipped our toe into filming episode eight. Uh, and then we called it. So we have, I don't know if they're in the can yet, but we're going to air apparently seven episodes. And then when we can, we're going to get back and finish the back five. Oh, wow. Wow. I'm yeah. excited. So there will be more. So yeah, there's going to be more. Uh, I think, uh, oh, geez, God, we're almost halfway through this first part. I know. Yes. That blows my mind. It's an amazing. Oh, I remember when the first episode was up and Brando was like, babe. We can't go to dinner tonight because billions, billions started. I was like, all right, bro. Sounds good. And I'm so mad that Brian Cobbleman, he needs to send me the friggin' episodes. This is not fair that I have to watch it weekly. It is unacceptable. And I am going to hit him on DM today that I need these episodes. So you want to binge? You'd prefer to binge this? Yes. I think, don't you? See, I'm, I'm kind of old school. I will binge shit, but I, I prefer if it's a show I really like. I like the anticipation. And one of the great things is the live tweeting. Like, oh, that's got to oh. be fun. I see the episode ahead of time. And I, so I, ha- I mean, I know the script, obviously, but it's been a few months. <laughs> right. I see the episode ahead of time. And then I live tweet with people. And it's a blast because the fans are just, Billions fans are smart and they're funny and they're passionate and they show up every week. And it's like that kind of thing that you miss when you do, when you do the benching, I think. I, I agree with that. I just, I'm so on the verge because every <laughs> yeah. every week it ends and I'm like going to a depression. I'm like, this show needs to have 35 That's when, episodes. That's when he starts pulling up the uh, the videos, like what he did before we did this podcast. He oh, pulled up the videos so, oh, to look at different When you do the scenes. Kaiser Sose and they, oh, take you in, and they take you into the room. Oh, my God. Oh, my God. Randall's like a little fangirl right now. It's so cute. So, Kelly. Yeah. We have you on the podcast Thanks to Ben Mankiewicz because yeah. he made the right. connection. Oh, cool. Thank God. Yeah, Ben's a great and guy. Yeah, great dude. I was so intimidated when he was on our podcast because he's brilliant. <laughs> and then I'm looking at your bio. And he I'm wants like, you to think he's brilliant. Yeah. <laughs> he's not that smart. <laughs> well, now I'm looking at your bio and it's mind blowing that you and Ben have something in common yeah. and you both come you're both movie buffs and super into the arts, but you also come from a line of politicians. Yeah, yeah, it's true. <laughs> so, like, I, I'm always curious, was there pressure for you to, like, be that type of person? Or were you always, was it just like, I love to be in, I love to act, I love the arts, and this is the path I'm going to take? Yeah, because your father being as successful as he was. Yeah, he was a congressman. Right. And there's a, I mean, you guys can see it. There's a picture of him over there, over my shoulder. Yeah, I love my dad. Very proud of him. So, yeah, Ben and I went to high school together. Uh, He's one of my best friends. He's, uh, you know, he's one of those friends I actually really like. Yeah. Uh, One of those guys. (laughs) But, yeah, so Frank Mankiewicz, his father, uh, you guys probably talked about it. 
was involved in politics. Bobby Kennedy's press secretary. Uh, he found he was uh, the first head of the uh, Peace Corps down in South America. All kinds of great stuff. Um, and my dad was a state representative for t- four years, and then a uh, in the U.S. House of Representatives for eighteen years, from nineteen seventy four okay. to ninety two. So that was all through my you know, like grade school, uh, high school and, uh, into co- and actually, uh, into college. Yeah. I never had any specific pressure from him to do it. Uh, we were always, uh, an engaged activist family, progressive activism. I mean, I, I wouldn't hide that from anybody because if you follow my Twitter feed, uh, I get into arguments all the time. Oh, oh that's it. amazing. I got to follow. I got to yeah, follow. Right. I got to follow. <laughs> <laughs> but, uh, so I never had any, but I never had any pressure from him. He, and my mom wanted us to to study hard, work hard, whatever we were going to do, just work fucking hard. And I had a, a, a long chunk of time when I was less than um, I was lazy. Yeah. <laughs> and uh, <laughs> so he got on me. And actually, I think that made me a better actor because, I, I, you know, just instilling that work ethic. And I think that one of the reasons why he didn't freak out like a lot of parents might about me being uh, an actor is that one of the main things parents worry about is job security. But as a politician and a representative, he, he could be voted out of office every two years. So he didn't really have any job oh, security. So right. that, you know, living with doubt was a little bit okay. And then the performative aspects. I don't know if you've noticed that politicians sometimes oh, are yes. somewhat like performers. Oh, the, they are the actors at their the finest. They're the best. <laughs> yeah. yeah. So I got a lot of stuff from him, I'm sure. And I've played politicians periodically. And I told them I'd steal from him, you know, mercilessly. But... But he's been, my parents are very supportive. It's great. I love hearing that because I've I grew up around the Huntsman family mm-hmm. in Utah, and I just remember like the the men in the family were on the same path as as their dad, as their grandfather, and so I love hearing that he was like, yeah, yeah go and be be an artist. So what was the right. what was your first gig that you booked? I have to know. Professional gig? Yes, professional gig. Well, so after I left college, I had a Volkswagen bus and no money, really. And I drove (laughs) around the country with headshots, dropping off resumes at different uh, different regional theaters and sleeping in the back of my bus. Like I was sleeping. I I always tell people I slept in the parking lots of some of the finest hotels in the country. (laughs) Oh, my God. That's amazing. (laughs) But I ran out of money in Portland, Oregon, which ironically was my hometown. And I crashed at my parents' little one-bedroom apartment that they had in Portland because my dad was only there a little bit. When he was in town, I'd sleep on the couch. And I worked at a steel mill for a month to get money to go to get back to D.C. And while I was there, I auditioned for a show and I got in. And uh, I think it was for a couple months later, and sh- the, the woman was like, "Okay, look, I want to hire you, but I don't know who you are. No. You don't live here. You just said you drove here. I know oh. that I can find your father through his office, but are you going to come back in three months when this starts?" And I said, "Yes." And so she took a little risk, and wow. that was my first professional gig. Wait, what was it? What was that show? It was a play called "The a Lie of the Mind" um, by Sam Shepard, and one of the greatest uh, playwrights ever. Yeah. Yeah, yeah, and it was a crazy good show. And then <laughs> two years later, I was down at the Oregon Shakespeare Festival. And so that was my, and that's one of the greatest times of my life. And that, some of the first professional live theater I ever saw was at the Oregon Shakespeare Festival. This beautiful outdoor amphitheater and magical mountainy, um, you know, rural small town Oregon. And 
so I was there for two years and then and then moved on to LA and to be with my wife and etc. But those were my first. Did you meet your wife while you were in Oregon? I met my wife at Oberlin College, actually. So Oh wow. So you guys stayed together while you were Yeah. Oh I mean we had, you know, we were like, we'll see what happens. And uh, she had two more years of school, so I, I visited periodically. Uh, and she was from Los Angeles. So once, you know, we, we, I was like when I was at Ashland, finally, she had just graduated and was in LA and we spent two years commuting back and forth. Wow. So then, so then when she graduated, you moved down to LA, you had finished your Shakespeare run basically. Yeah. I had a, like, there was a third season discussion for me, but it was not like the first season. I didn't do much of of anything. Second season, I had a couple of really nice roles. Third season was going to be just sort of not even stasis. It was like a little bit less. And, you know, you, I could, I, I saw a path where I could have stayed in this magical place. Like really like in my brain as a kid, that was the height of what acting could and should be. Right. Right. Your purest, the purest form. Yeah. And it really, is, and it is just physically magical. If you Google it and look at the pictures, it's just overwhelmingly beautiful. Summer theater, summer Shakespeare, you know, but I wanted to I wanted to try myself against other things and I didn't want to regress. So I went down to LA to be famous and I didn't get a gig for a year and a half. Okay, wait, hold on. We're gonna That's ta- actually not that long. We're gonna take we're a take quick, quick break, break. But I wanna hear I wanna hear that. I do too. Okay, cool. We'll be right back. Okay, we are back. Randall's fan girling out. All right, all right, enough. All right, I already, not, I already admitted that. You don't need to re, redo it. I got it. Yeah, right? Jesus. We have Kelly O'Coin, and he has he's spilling all the tea. And can I tell you, I love because... See, Kelly, this is the shit I don't understand. I thought spilling the tea, we drop it on the ground. This one, with the spilling the tea, I can't. It sounds like a British thing. <laughs> yeah, it does, right? What I love that we're, we were just talking about is how you started in the theater. And I find with people my age that are in the industry, there's like this, this version of being an actor and in the arts, but they try to get to that, po- that point because what does that mean when you're on TV? You become a well-known person. So you don't find many people my age who are like, I did Shakespeare. Right. I was in a play. So I die for the fact that, well, that's why you're a phenomenal actor. Right. Anybody right. who starts in the theater is like, holy shit, I, I could watch them I, all day. I agree. So tell away, tell real quick, when you came to LA, you struggled for a year and a half, didn't get a job. What was the first job that set it all off? And, and then we can get into the epic work from there. So- what happened was my wife, who was working as a physical therapist aide and was sort of on track to potentially become a physical therapist, uh, because she had run track in school and she was a um, uh, was a dancer and remains a dancer to this day. Oh, wow. She wow. she performed and um, in L.A. and and did some great work, but sort of hit the ceiling. She didn't want to do. I'm gonna date myself, but she wasn't into David Lee Roth videos and being the girl on the pole. <laughs> Um, she actually did. Right. She was like a really trained r- real dancer. Yeah. Like I grew up right. with in the arts at performing arts high and school. They are real. I'm not saying they aren't real dancers, but the type of dance that she was interested in training trained. W- w- right. And, 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 e- but even some of the, the dancers in those videos were, uh, but they weren't anyway, you know, yeah, exactly. not, they're not jazz well, ballet, modern or tap. It was like, are, we're saying that she's not a, a stripper. She, no, she's not she's a not stripper. Shake your ass. Shake your ass. Not shake Sorry, your this ass. is Give Them Walla with Randall. We don't pull punches. All right, keep going. Uh, 
And uh, so she decided to move to New York, which because she wanted to try herself against the best. And she reminds me constantly that I'm the one when we were in college together that she was like, I'm going to give dance a year and then I'm going to go into my profession. And I, she said, apparently, I sort of laughed and was like, you're too good. You're going to you should really give it as long as you can. Don't oh. give it a oh, year. That's that's and amazing. she did. And that part of moving to New York, apparently, was because of of, of um, fully embracing that idea. She came to New York and it took like six months of frustration, as it always does. But then she started booking gigs and she went to Europe a couple of times to do to, to work. And then she started booking gigs here in New York. And um, and it was slower for me. But after two years or so, I started getting things that were that paid at least a little bit, you know, <laughs> early on. Like I never and this. OK, so this is where it sort of ties into what you're talking about before. I never gave a shit about being famous, you know, and even now, like someone says I'm famous. Uh, I'm like, no, I'm moderately known, <laughs> you know, I think really well known at this point. You're on the biggest show on TV. But well, yeah, but, it, it's, OK, but it, so I didn't give a shit about being famous. I didn't. That's not what I wanted. I just wanted to act. I loved acting. And I and I was like, I can do this. I wanted to make a living. I wanted to be able to eat, have a place to live, not have to live with my parents, not have to borrow from my parents and maybe even help them when they're old, you know. Um, But that's what started to happen with theater. It was like, all right, this is a very modest living that I have now for like 12 years here. I didn't have to do anything else, though. I didn't have to cater. I didn't have to wait tables. And I was happy. And then all of, and that's why people go to New York rather than L.A. You know, we might want to do TV, but what, when it comes down to it, the one thing we can't live without is theater. theater. Right. And L.A. people, the same, I mean, they could be great at theater and they could love theater. But it, and this is, of course, gross terms. It's not quite this, uh, this uh, bipolar, but they come to the conclusion that I want to focus on the screen. Right. The great thing that happened about 10 years ago in New York is screen came to us. Yes. And we started getting all these great cable shows that were doing like, you know, 12 episodes, 8 to 12 episodes, not 22 to 25. So we actually were able to work on shows. The benefit for us was we could work on shows for um, for 12 months and then do theater. For right. Four you got to do we, uh, six and six. I mean, yeah. And for them, it was great because they're new faces that had had not been overused. And I want to say something about that. You know, New York, I always say is like, you know, actors like it makes you great. And, and, and that's the heart of acting in new york and then you come out to la and it obviously can make you famous but you're right now shows are shooting all over the world that i think that that whole thing is broken down with tax credits and and all that stuff but yeah what helps what um what was i gonna say oh i i I relate to that because when i came out to la i all i want to do is produce movies that was my dream i slept on people's couches i i didn't want i didn't want to be like the big movie producer i just wanted to be able to pay my bills and be on a movie set i didn't give a shit you know about my name and lights as a producer any of that shit i just want to say then once he got a taste of it kelly he was like (laughs) on and popping like a you know that's energizer bunny (laughs) that's bullshit i was kelly for 20 years i was behind the scenes and then this one dragged me out of the shadows so just remember that Anyway, okay. Um, okay. I, I have a, I have a good, I have a question that I just think a lot of young actors and young artists coming up want to hear from somebody who is successful. Um, you know, what do you recommend to young actors today if they oh. were graduating from college or graduating from high school? And you know, like I grew up, I went to Foreign Arts High School where Uta Hagen came and trained us, and and we studied high my, school, high school in Miami, New wow. World School of the Arts. We Uta Hagen came twice a year, oh. and Meisner. 
Ann Meisner was what we studied oh at gosh. 16. Yeah. That's <laughs> and crazy. My, and my best friend from performing arts high school was Katie Finneran, who won the Tony twice on Broadway. So there you go. There you go. So you've got some, uh, yeah, okay. You've got some peeps. I love the theater, and I'm such a big fan of great actors. But I'm, And I'm so removed at that point you know, from the heart of, of, of your craft. What, what do you recommend today if somebody's just coming out of Iowa and, and is passionate? Yeah. Where, what do they do, and what, what, do you, what do you think is the right steps? I mean, the business technologically and the business – Everything about it is so different from when I arrived in New York. So it's hard for me sometimes to give, when I get this question, it's hard for me to know what type of actual practical advice, which is what I wanted at the time. I wanted, right. like, give me a roadmap. I just, I'm, totally. how do I get in there? And I guess the similarity would be that there is no roadmap exactly. The things I think you need to do, and there was somebody else I was just telling one of these things to. First one, though, is create a community. As best as you can, be happy for them and support them and let them help them rise because you'll rise with them. Or at least it can give you hope that one of my own made it. Right. Try not to be jealous. Be ambitious, but don't be competitive as right. much as you can do that. And that's we're all human. So we're all going to fail at that. But strive for that as much as you can. And sometimes pretending that you're not fucking jealous will actually make, <laughs> make you, you not, not jealous. jealous. I love that That's you said that. Advice. When I catch myself getting super fucking oh, pissed off that someone's off. doing yeah. better than I am, yeah, I'm like, oh my God, I'm so happy for you. And all of a sudden I'm like, wow, I feel really I good. I am happy for them. <laughs> See, I'm, you know? I'm, the, I'm, yeah. the, I'm the opposite. I, I, I know because she does get very, she gets in a zone, but I, you know, I, I just get more competitive, but I don't think I get jealous like on a, kind of haterade kind of level it's just like okay. it's like haterade but, but kind of level no, but, oh my god no but i think that advice is great i think that you're right like like thanks babe you want to keep going you want to keep going I'm today sorry you're in a fucking mood today you know what kelly <laughs> so good. when these mics are so off good. i gotta I, I i don't get to go home you know what i'm saying it's right here this is like, my home right kelly here, can right i here. tell you and i'm obviously in no way on a show like billions i caved to reality wait TV. vanderpump isn't like billions no weird right <laughs> I feel like our script is written just as well. I'm just kidding. Um, but I love, I love you. you. <laughs> but I feel this, that's for safety. Yeah, that's right? for safety, Kelly. But I feel nice. I feel the same way as when people kind of ask for, you know, they do want a roadmap. I still look for a roadmap. Yeah. yeah. And I think that you gave perfect advice. It's like take every opportunity, yep. compete with yourself and yourself only to do better. I really love the advice that you just gave. And really, if you're not, if you're looking to be famous, then I, I can't help you because I have no fucking idea. Agree. If you're looking to be famous, you need to be crazy and get on a reality TV show. <laughs> right. Or, or, yeah, or, or be incredibly, I, mean, I don't know, Instagram famous. Right. And, and don't whatnot. try to be an actor. Right. You should not be an actor if you want to be famous. And, and there are ways, like, look, there, there are there are, are people on billions, uh, I mean, people on uh, Instagram, <laughs> everything's billions. Yeah. It's like that Malkovich, John Malkovich. I love Malkovich. it. Billions, billions, billions. <laughs> uh, but there are people on Instagram who actually figure out how to use that medium in order to create some fantastic co content so do that if you know how to do that i'm old i don't know how to do that really i can tweet because i think same. i'm funny and i can do things short <laughs> but ben would quibble with me being funny um, <laughs> but uh but the, here's one other thing and i said this to somebody recently but it's true there was a guy at the at the oregon shakespeare festival an actor who'd spent some time in hollywood and done uh, he'd done some he'd made some waves but he was he chose to be at the festival but he said you're gonna have 
you know, a bunch of people who say, call me or look me up or come on by uh, when you get down here. And he said, you say 20 people do it, 18 of them, you show up, they're going to be like, who are you? Like, what are you doing here? Right. And you're going to feel like an asshole. And if you let that feeling of feeling like an asshole keep you, once you had to hit the first three, all five, three, five of them, whatever, they're all like, oh my God, who, who are you, asshole? Right. like, oh, I'm an asshole. I'm not going to, I'm going to ignore the rest of the 15. But then you're going to miss those two people who actually will try to help you. Right. So go through the 18. The, all you have to do is remember that you're not the asshole. They are they're the, the asshole. Yes. I agree and it's with hard this. To, it's hard to do. And it took me a while, but I finally started following this guy's advice. And that's when I actually met somebody, a casting person who was like, I'm going to recommend you to this other casting person. And I started going in. more. Wow. And look and at helps. you now. <laughs> but I will say, I will say our business, Kelly, is very, they just kind of like don't want to. There are a lot of times where I find they don't want to lift you up. They want to just put you down. And yeah. I think you have to keep that mentality. I've done it, you know, all these years where you just got to know who you are, believe in yourself, and you'll find those people that do support you. And those are the people that matter. I think that's right. And and actually, even those people who are the asshole, they might not be assholes. They just might not really give a shit about you. And maybe they're busy. Maybe there's all kinds of stuff going on. You just with them and you know in the moment they might have met it meant it right but and it makes you feel good to say look me up i'm gonna help you out but then you have to do the the real good people will right. be the ones who back it up who back it yes. up yes but the best feeling in the world i can imagine would be the people that were assholes and then you kind of ignore them and you blow the fuck up one day and then okay. they roll up on you and they're like how Kelly. have you been you're doing great. It's like, yeah, no thanks to you, by the way. <laughs> that sounds a little bit like you might have some experience. Uh, I might. And then she puts it yeah. on TV, Kelly. It goes a step further. Okay. Wait, yeah. But Kelly, I yeah. I read that you have done soap operas. When I was first in New York, I think I was on three, but literally like two lines, five lines, something like that. Okay. So reality TV now, which okay. I do is looked at as the modern day soap opera. Oh. I like to say that's great because I love soap operas. So <laughs> perfect, label it that. <laughs> what was the difference being on set on a soap opera and being on set on Billions? <laughs> <laughs> I gotta know, I gotta that's a, know. That's a loaded question. Good luck, Kelly. <laughs> yeah, um, I, think, I think one of the big things was uh, uh, I had good experiences on the soap operas because it was my first year in town. I'd just never been on a set before. So for me, it was all just new. Okay. Um, and there was one that I got that was supposed to be recurring and there was a kind of a funny sort of sexy little banter. And I was like, Oh, cool. <laughs> yeah. Um, that means that someone will cast me maybe the, to be sexy guy. Okay, <laughs> cool. You know, yeah. at the at the beginning, any affirmation, because you don't know, like, oh, am I weird looking? Am I annoying? Am I interesting at all? Am I potentially attractive or whatever? So those things were actually great about the soaps. I didn't have really anything to do. The biggest difference, if I look back on it, because there was a long break between those and then finally getting to do more TV, lack of rehearsal. Because they're putting up an entire show every day, right? Yeah. So it would be Just lack banging of them out. Yeah, that's and even tough. you know with TV uh, with a, with episodics where you get two weeks, even that the problem not problem the the difference from theater is lack of rehearsal. So it, it moves like, so it, quick. It moves so it's quick. so quick. It's so quick, and the extemporaneous stuff. I mean, I I look at soap actors now that I used to 
except for very few. I used to be like, well, they're kind of wooden. What's that about? <laughs> and it's like, well, you're fucking, they're trying to remember that they have like a three page monologue that they got 10 minutes ago. Like, <laughs> right. Look at them now with that in mind. And they're fucking Olivier. Right. Right. I love it. Okay. Real quick. We have our producer, Tim here as well. He's a fan of the show. Tim, would you like to ask a question? I'm going to give you your moment because I know you're fangirling as well. Uh, I am definitely fangirling. Kelly, it's it's great to meet you. All right. Um, he doesn't you know too. you. He doesn't know you. Just yeah. ask the question. <laughs> no, I know. Hey, be nice to producer Tim. <laughs> yeah, but I'm, I'm the fan. Without him, I'm we not. don't I'm we just don't kidding, Tim. It. Ask the question. Come on. Well, Take I, it on my airtime. I read that... Uh, you, I think it was your dad that said your career really started to take off once you started shaving your head. That, yeah, he did. Oh my did god! Did he really? He said that. Oh my god! That's great. That's great. Yeah, Tim. he did. My dad. Uh, my dad has always been very supportive of it, as I said, uh, and and he also is. He's he's long been one of those guys uh, in his various careers, even before politics, that tries to figure out angles. Not like in a con man kind of way, but like a strategic sort of way, okay. like presentation. Yeah. He was a uh, he was an ad man for a while, you know, that kind of stuff. He um, yeah, I think because I balded in a really awkward way, not oh, like God. guys who just sort of thin. My hair was thick, except in the back of my head where it was just gone. Like okay. a reverse yarmulke. What right? age? What age? What? Oh my god! Oh my Love god! It. I got. I got to tell my buddy he's got a reverse yarmulke. That's amazing. Yeah, it's like someone was golfing on the top of my head and took out a divot. It was just gone. Amazing, Kelly. I guarantee you the name of this episode. Our producers of Time Warner are going to call it the reverse yarmulke. I already have. <laughs> it's as good as it gets. It's as good as it gets. Uh, I was probably early thirties, early to mid thirties, oh, and I, wow. I still had a baby face at that uh, at that point. So it was like this weird sort of thing. Um, it just wasn't working. It was easier for theater, but I had some TV people say the same thing. It's like you probably should start buzzing his head, or get a piece, or get a transplant. I actually went to uh, one of those hair transplant places. Yeah, uh, just what to year? Have a what consultation. year? What year? How long ago? Mid. I was mid thirties. I don't know. Not not the mid nineteen thirties, but I was in my mid thirties. Yeah, <laughs> uh, that's where they and, used to poke big holes in your head. Yeah, yeah, you would have had yeah. like craters. Oh my Plus, god! Plus, what, what he told me it never occurred to me. Though, it's like, well, no, we'll do it here now. It was going to cost me like ten, fifteen thousand dollars, which I didn't even have. Uh, <laughs> but then you also continue to lose your hair around that. Oh my! So god. you have you're going to have a little island, <laughs> and then you got to do it again. And he used the word harvest. Oh, God. They harvest the hairs from the back of your head. And I'm like, this is a Stephen King novel. I'm out of here. That is so fucking gross. And then you just like disgusting. randomly become a chia pet. No, like, no. What is this? And, and by the way, if you look at people's transplants from 20 years ago, it is oh. like a hole punch. Like you can I check know. it out. You could bury yourself into each follicle. Ew, ew, ew. I know. Okay. So I started shaving my, I started shaving my head and it was like that year that I started. Just, I don't know. There was something about my face that evened out in people's perspective, I guess. I, just really, I really dig the bicked head. I think, nice, yeah. I think you look great. Oh, I think he looks great. I, yeah. I, but I'm, I think your I'm dad was right. Jew. No, but I'm a fat <laughs> Jew. Fat Jews can't have a bald head. I would, I would be dead. It'd be Humpty Dumpty on steroids. Oh my God. No, I would never. I'll pay a million dollars to keep my hair before I go bald. It's never going to happen. <laughs> No. You look good, Kelly. You you're need like your hair. You're chiseled, and I and I've got like family underneath my chin. So it's not <laughs> you're a happen. handsome son of a bitch. Thank you. Oh, yeah. that was cute. I love that. That was very you're nice. Fun, Kelly. Kelly, I like quick you. question. Uh, yeah. I don't want to run out of time. You work with Peter Berg, which I financed and produced Lone Survivor. 
the kingdom. Oh, cool. How? Yes. Yes, I did. You did the kingdom? No, I did. I did Lone Survivor. Oh. You did the kingdom. I did the kingdom. Yeah, right, yeah, okay. Yeah. Because yeah. I, like, yeah. <laughs> I think I would have remembered I would have seen yeah. you. Kelly, I would have seen you. Right. Okay. Right. No, but tell me tell me that experience and, and uh, Spielberg. Tell me those two. It was fantastic. It was on location. And I love, I always love going away. I love hotels. I love being on location. Like I fucking me. love it. Like me. Uh, yeah. And um, I got to take a van like 45 minutes or a half hour or something to set and back every day with Anna DeVere Smith and Richard Jenkins. And there was one day oh where it was just God. Richard Jenkins. And oh. I am such a huge fan of both of those. Anna DeVere Smith is a theater god. Um, and Richard Jenkins, I'm sure, has done tons of theater, but uh, but he's a TV movie guy. The greatest. The greatest. I got to hang out with these guys. and For an the, hour every day? For an hour every day. For an hour every day. And the, the last time, the last half hour ride after we were done shooting, a day early, which was a bummer uh, to me. I'm sure Peter <laughs> Berg loved it. Uh, he's but, fast. By the way, on Lone Survivor, he finished so five fast. days early. Five days. That's incredible. He was yeah. fast and he was great. He would throw lines to you and uh, everything. And he had Jamie Foxx and me like up in each other's faces. Oh my God, it was like I love so it. awesome. Like playing with Jamie Foxx. Yeah. So um, awesome. But um, but so at, on the ride home, uh, Jenkins was like, hey, let's get a drink at the hotel afterwards. And I, I was like, great. Yeah. I, I just have to call my wife. Can I meet you in a half an hour? And so I called my wife and she was like uh, up in the room. She said, what are you doing? It's Richard Jenkins. Go down and have a drink with him. Yeah. He's like my favorite actor in the world. Go tell him that your, your wife loves him. So I went down and he didn't show up because I think I misspoke. I think he thought that I was saying uh, I can ha- have like half an hour and then I got to call my wife. Oh, and so I didn't get to have my it? drink with this. Guy. Yeah. And he's like one of my favorite actors in the world. And we liked each other and he liked me. But he doesn't, like, oh. I bet he doesn't talk to you anymore. Yeah, I bet he doesn't like, yeah. And I'm sure he remembers that guy who stood him up at the Arizona the hotel. It's the guy in that minor role. <laughs> so I, so I'm just talking, because we're both been on, sitting on the bench now for the last two months with COVID. Just to update you, there was an article that I just had come out in Deadline that I did where I was directing my first movie in Puerto Rico with Megan Fox and Bruce Willis and Emil Hirsch, all these people, and we got shut down. We are doing our final uh, interview next week with SAG, which we're optimistic that they hopefully will sign off and then we can go back to work. And the IA, which we also need their protocols, they're saying around June 1st they're going to release theirs. So hopefully, hopefully in June, between the both unions, they are encouraging all of us safely, of course, to go back to work. So knock on wood. Also, I told you no fucking around. I'm sending you a script today because I need you in my movies. You're just too. I good. would that that would you'd make my day. That the you just made my day. Of wheeling and dealing. That's what we do here. <laughs> <laughs> we pick the brain and then we give movie roles. That's uh, what's up. Good luck. I hope that works out. Yeah, I'm really opt. By the way, I'm optimistic, and I said for the whole industry because you know our industry, theater, film, television, whatever it is, is dying. We've all been, yeah. you know, you know, it's brutal. Bru- I mean, it's brutal for people that I know you know, are working paycheck to paycheck. And I just want us to go back to work so that we can, yeah. you know, as a community, we work, we're artists and yeah. we, we don't do well not creating. And I know we've done the best we can with, with where we are, but we just, we all want to go back to work. So I, and I'm most of us, yeah. And most of us are workaholics. Yes. Like people look at, at, at creatives. I, I hate right. that term, but yeah. it sounds pretentious, but they <laughs> look at creatives as sort of like, like lazy and lushy and it's like no we just want to fucking work it's the opposite yeah, it's the opposite the opposite and i agree and i think that all artists right now whether you're a filmmaker or a, 
actor, whatever. We're just all we want to do is we want to be safe, but we want to go back to work. So I'm, I'm, yeah. I'm optimistic for us all. I had the best time having you on today, Kelly. Thank you Me so too. much. Thank Those, you. This is great. You guys are a blast. <laughs> I'm serious. <laughs> I haven't laughed this much since quarantine yes! started. <laughs> I love it. Well, it's so appreciated that you came on and we hope that you have the best day ever. Yes, Kelly. Thank you. We'll see you on Billions. Thank you, guys. This is it. Hola, hi. I'm Chelsea, and I am a Utah native, and it's so fun listening to you. Talk about how you're from Utah. I'm a mom of three kids, and it's so fun to listen to your podcast. Like, how need to be diapers, and you guys are the cutest. Thanks for this awesome podcast, Mike. Thank you so much, my loves, to everyone who has already called in to leave us messages. Please keep them coming because we love hearing from you. Call us anytime at 866-LALAPOD. That is 866-LALAPOD. I mother effing love you. 